Everyone, welcome to another awesome day with a struggle. I'm Sean Lee. And I'm James Park. We're here to discuss the reality of daily struggles and how it's a constant no matter where we are on our journey. Join us for honest conversations as we navigate life, business, and career challenges. Learn how to accept the struggles and how it's all about the mindset. Welcome. This is episode 34. My name is James. This is Sean, and that makes this Startup Struggles. I stole this introduction from um, Stuff You Should Know podcast with Josh Clark and Chuck. Yeah. He does this all the time, so that's where I kind of stole it from. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Hey, stealing is the highest compliment or something like that, right? Yep. (laughs) And we'll we'll soon make it our own. And we're going to jump right in. We've been continuing to read the book Radical Acceptance by Tara Brock, and yeah, we're going to begin with some ways that Sean has been using the book in real life applications. Yeah, I think this book, not just me, like we've, even my friends uh, that I talked to about this topic of self-awareness and self-improvement, all these things. There's so many books that we've read on this subject from Loving What Is to this book, Radical Acceptance to Courage to be disliked. Courage to be disliked. Man's search for meaning. The untethered soul. (laughs) There's so many. It's everywhere. Yeah. That you would think that you would have heard it all by now. Yeah. Or that it would be easier. Right. Or you'd have it ingrained. And I was talking to one of my really close friends yesterday about this. Because what we find is that we constantly still struggle. And we constantly struggle because life is a struggle. Life is a struggle because things are changing every single day. Like nothing is static. Everything is dynamic. Everything is constantly shifting. And every day is is a new day, as they say, right? A new challenge. And that is a beautiful thing. That's not a bad thing. And one of the, the things that I really enjoyed out of this book so far was her interpretation of Buddha's famous saying that, all of life is suffering. And her interpretation wasn't that life is suffering. Like the suffering, the translation of how they translated it makes suffering sound like it's a negative thing, right? Because suffering has heavy negative connotations to it versus, I forgot how she put it exactly, but you know, life is a challenge. Life is a struggle. Mm-hmm. And it just softens that a bit. It's not like suffering. It's a struggle. Yeah. You know, it's a challenge. And I just really love that reinterpretation, which I've actually never heard before. I've always just heard life is suffering. And after she reinterpreted it for me, I was able to accept it much easier because like I I just said, every day is a new struggle. Like every day is a new challenge. (laughs) So of course life is a challenge. Right. Life is a challenge. Life is suffering. Life is a struggle. It all says the same thing, but challenge and struggle make it sound like something that you can overcome. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas suffering, it just sounds like, what is the point of this if it's just all for suffering? (laughs) And it's out of your control. Exactly. Yeah. You have a sense of agency. And that's a huge word that I revisit very so often is the sense of agency because the loss of agency, I think, is what makes me depressed personally. Like I am out of control with my life, with everything in my life. Right? I don't have agency. Decisions are being made for me and not by me. 
things like that. And yeah, I think that little shift alone in this book really struck a chord with me. Like I think Saturday or Friday, one of the days I was still feeling a little depressed and I'll go into why and the tactics I actually used out of the book in combination with loving what is and all these things. But um, that's what I was talking to my friend about yesterday was that like, oh, it doesn't mean that we won't be depressed. It doesn't mean we won't be angry or annoyed or frustrated by things or people around us. This is what Buddha means when he says all life is suffering. Yeah. It reminds me of a quote that Naval Ravikant said. He said, a happy person isn't someone who's happy all the time. It's someone who effortlessly (laughs) interprets events in such a way that they don't lose their innate peace. Mm. Well, that's so good. I never heard that before. Yeah. I, I read that today. I was like, oh, this is solid. Wow. That is solid. No, Naval Ravikant's a really smart guy. Guy who started Angelist, right? Yeah. And I think that's why when you say life is a struggle, it helps you accept it because it's not saying life is easy or life is wonderful because there are parts where it's not. You can't say that something, oh, this happened today, so it's wonderful. Oh, it's great. And it's not that we should be happy all the time. If you expect to be happy all the time, man, you're going to be, you're going to be fucking depressed most of your life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just how I grew up is maybe both of us, we both expected that life would just be easier as we got older, but it goes the opposite way because you only get more responsibilities. Mm -hmm. No matter how simple the responsibility, if you add up a thousand responsibilities, man, it's going to be tough. But Yeah, the way that the book helps shift that is by explaining that challenges are going to be here every single day. And if we can wake up knowing that there's going to be a challenge today, it almost makes it easier to be able to get up because you know it'll be there. Yeah, you had the right expectations for what life is like. And this ties very well into, you know, loving what is. Mm -hmm. What is the reality? Reality is every day, you're going to be faced with new challenges, big and small. Some days are going to be easier because there's smaller challenges. Some days are going to be tougher because of something big and, or just even emotionally big, right? It doesn't have to be like physically big. Or it doesn't even have to be big. There are just times where something will happen and it will drive you in batshit crazy. That's true. And it could be something really small, like, I don't know, neighbor threw trash into your yard. And it could just, you just woke up like that and... That happened recently? Yeah. <laughs> so annoyed. I hate when I see just see trash in the yard. I'm like, why is that here? <laughs> just throw in the garbage can. Is There's one right right here. Yeah. It's so funny you bring that up because um, I'll kind of segue into what I was experiencing this week and how I got out of it. And something I was sharing with my buddy who I practice a lot of these things with. Again, it comes from the book. You know, when we get really flustered or worked up about something and as loving what is would say, you know, when you're not loving what is, this book kind of further digs into it in a different way than the inquiry. They call it facing your fears. I'll just give a concrete example. I was really flustered myself internally, I think on Friday or Saturday. And Mink was having a a rough day as well because she's pregnant and she's very uncomfortable and just, it's just hard. But naturally, like I was in my head, I was thinking like, oh, like 
why are you having a bad day? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And obviously, it was quick for me to jump out of it because or reason myself out of it. Dude, she's pregnant. Like, come on, cut her some slack. She's just very uncomfortable. But uh, these things still come up. I'm just being very real about it. And I really had to pause, do the sacred pause and, and kind of start with inquiry. And inquiry taught us, you know, asking like, why, like, why do you feel this way? And, and, and things like that. What would happen if you felt the opposite? Right. And with radical acceptance, it was more so asking, you know, also the same why, but then like focus more on like fear. Like what is a fear that's driving this feeling? So what I was feeling that I think got me flustered in the first place internally was feeling inadequate, was feeling useless. Oh, like you couldn't help her? No, no, no. Actually, this is all internal. It has nothing to do with her. Oh, okay. I'll tell you more about it. Like feeling disempowered because right now I'm not working. Even though Alumni FM is running, like I'm not drawing like a salary from that, a paycheck. Not that I ever care for a paycheck, but just the fact that I had a paycheck and then now I don't have a paycheck. Yeah. And Mink, by many means, is like the sole breadwinner. Yeah, man. She's your boss. Yeah, she's... (laughs) It's funny because these are... You joke about it, but like these are the things that like seep into your head, right? And you're just like, oh shit. Yeah. You're kind of disempowered and whatnot. Of course. Which is not true. It's just a story that I happen to tell myself. And so there's this fear. And the fear that I was dealing with was like fear of inadequacy or fear of not being in control of my life or fear of what if, I don't know, something happens. Failing. You feel like a failure right now. Yeah. Like fear of like not being able to get a job or earning an income. And then as I like dig into these fears and ask myself like, what is about this fear? I kind of go one layer deeper. But the critical difference that Tara Brock is teaching radical acceptance is instead of denying these fears and saying, I shouldn't feel this way, I shouldn't have this fear, she just asks you to sit with it. And I think it's very much like inquiry where just like you just kind of inquire layer deeper. Like what is underlying that fear of not having a paycheck? Oh, it's the fear that I'm not putting in my fair share. Or Mink will feel that this is unfair. It's that fear. And what's underlying that fear? Well, if it's unfair, then she might be like, you know what? I don't want to be with you anymore. Abandonment. Let's say fear of abandonment. I'm just kind of making stuff up, but it's very close to the truth, I think, in my head. And what's underlying that fear of abandonment? It's the fear that I won't be able to survive. You know, like I'll have to move home to my parents or something or move out of this house and be without a roof over my head. Yeah. And then as I get to that level, I'm just it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm serious. You realize like this is all these underlying fears are kind of ridiculous. And even though you shouldn't judge yourself for having these thoughts, which is something that's new to me as well, like don't judge yourself for having these thoughts. You can judge the fear itself, but don't judge yourself. Like you are who you are. You think these things, you have these fears. It's all natural. Like what human being doesn't, wouldn't if they were put in a situation. Yeah. Another way is if you didn't go through that process, then that would also be kind of weird too. Yeah. But all this time back to how it reflects in that day or how I interact with people is very crucial because it shifted my mindset from being in a nasty mood 
trying to blame other people, trying to be like, hey, why are you ruining my day? Because you're having a shitty day. It's like, why can't you just be happy so that I can be surrounded in a happy environment? Or why can't you just make me happy? Mm -hmm. It shifts from that to this like, dude, Sean, like get out of your head sort of thing. Yeah. Because first off, nobody can make you happy. That's not other people's jobs from courage to be disliked, courage to be happy. It's like, it's nobody's separation of tasks. It's nobody's job to make you happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like don't even have those expectations. And it's none of your business whether or not they're happy. You can't control that. You can't change that. You can't force other people to be like, hey, James, like cheer the fuck up, dude. You're ruining my day. You know, like <laughs> crimping my style. You know, like it is just so insensible. So it's a long-winded way of saying that this line of inquiry or pause just helps me break out of these cycles much quicker. It doesn't mean that they stop happening. That's a key thing. We will never stop being frustrated. We will never stop being depressed or let down or whatever it is that, you know, those feelings, those cyclical feelings, it's never going to let up. And the sooner we realize that, the better, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. So I kind of did this where the inquiry, you wonder why. I go, why do I think like this? But you need to go deeper than just the first level. Yeah. Because if you just stay on the first level, for example, I always wondered, why am I depressed? Why am I a negative person? Why am I such a bitch? Why am I complaining all the time? But it always ended with just because I'm sad or because I'm depressed or this is just how I am. And if you don't really sit and go deeper and go into the underlying levels, not just face values, but really seeing underneath, like what you just said there, the example of what you went through, it's the only way to really understand and be able to accept that being sad or depressed or angry or any other negative emotion is just normal. It is normal. Yeah. And in many ways, the more we normalize it, that's part of this radical acceptance. And I think the key thing is that it's not so that it never happens again. It's that it happens less frequently. You're never going to be not depressed, but can we make depression happen less frequently? Can we fill our lives with more non-depressive episodes, right? And depression makes up a healthy 15, 20% of our lives versus 70, 80% of our lives. Right, right. Okay, I see what you're saying. Can anger make up a healthy 15, 20% of our lives? Can we balance out our spectrum of emotions? Yeah, so for me, I don't necessarily say that it's less frequent because I think it happens to me very frequently. But the difference that I've made is they don't last as long. Mm, That's good, yeah. Yeah, so maybe that's it. And then, so maybe that's the first thing that you, like if anyone is going through it's kind of negative thinking and depression, First thing isn't trying to get rid of it entirely or to say that it's going to happen less frequently. It's just the length of time that you're in that episode. Yeah. Or maybe even like the reaction. You can focus on the reaction of when you feel like that. Oh, I like that. I like that clarification. So it's more not infrequent, but for a lower proportion of your day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So like, I don't know, let's say that you're awake for 10 hours and in the 10 hours before, if you're depressed, you get depressed once and you're depressed for like the entire day. That's what I used to be like. Then I shifted to thinking, oh, I don't want to be depressed at all. But then whenever I did get depressed, the entire 
length of the episode would last the entire day again or the rest of the day or carry on to the next day or weeks. Because in those places, I was always expecting, I don't want to be depressed, but no one wants to be depressed. But when it happens, it's the, you know, using inquiry or using Tara Brock's method of the pause. I think it's more the reaction, like thinking about, oh, well, seeing it separately, seeing it as a thought, being able to almost diagnose it as a separate person. And those things really separate how you feel versus your reaction to how you feel. Yeah. And in the book, she actually talks about this exact thing where it's, it's having tea with Mara. Mara is like all the negative things. Oh, yeah. In life, like anger, lust, all the things that if kind of taken to the extreme turns negative. I mean, being upset is not a bad thing. Desire in the book, she talks a lot about this. Desire is not a bad thing. And that, that was also a huge monumental shift for me in, in kind of thinking. This was actually new to me, was that from Buddhist teachings, you feel like you shouldn't have desire. You meditate, you become a monk to eliminate desire. And she's like, that's not what Buddhist teachings mean. You cannot not have desire. Yeah. <laughs> you have to have desire because desire drives you to eat, right? So you can survive. Desire drives you to procreate. But these things can be taken to the extreme, which is what I think we do. We don't keep it in check. Mm-hmm. You can turn this natural desire to want to eat and be healthy to like, I'm going to gorge and overeat. Mm-hmm. Or I can turn like a natural desire for procreation, for sex to like, all right, I'm going to go crazy. I'm become like a, a sex addict or something, right? <laughs> and so it's very extreme examples, but it's so simple to understand that like desire is very natural, is very human. Yeah. And again, understanding that helps us sit with it better and say like, all right, this is actually... I can accept this. This is a natural part of me versus saying like, no, I'd like banish sex, banish food. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm going to starve myself, you know, or I'm going to deprive myself of things. Like it it makes no sense to go that extreme. You know what Naval Ravikant defines desire as? He defines desire. Desire is a contract that you make with yourself to be unhappy until you get what you want. So smart. It's so true. Right. And it's like, what kind of contract are you making? Like there's healthy contracts and there's unhealthy contracts. Yeah. That's just it. That's why I like reading these books. It helps me understand how to deal with these things in life better and better versus feeling like I'm powerless. Right. And the thing that I didn't do for a long time while I was reading it, but what you're doing now is applying the practice of it. Man, I used to read so many books and then never really apply anything to my life. And so my life stayed the same. And I always wondered, like, I'm reading all this stuff, but my life is the same. Like, what's wrong with me? And it's because (laughs) I never applied any of the practice. It would be something crazy, like watching YouTube videos about golf and then never trying to practice it in real life and wondering and complaining about why the golf game never improves. It's because you never practice. And also that's the thing is like, yeah, mental health is just a, it's also practice. It's so hard. It is, but I wouldn't feel too bad about it because I've probably read two or three dozen books on this topic in my lifetime, if not more, probably more. <laughs> just looking at my bookshelf. I mean, they're pretty much all self-help books. Encourage Me to Slight, Loving What Is, Radical Acceptance. Let's see, what are some of these other ones? Nietzsche, a lot of philosophy books, Inner Engineering. Think and Grow Rich. Think and Grow Rich, yeah. Checklist Manifesto is probably on there. Lean Startup. 
Atomic Habits. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> the key is finding something that works for you at that stage in your life. I think that's the key to reading and learning is that just because you read a book doesn't mean you can apply that knowledge immediately to your life. I might have talked about this before. I have gone back and read some of these books two or three times, like for our work week, for example, mm-hmm. and 10 years apart. And then like 10 years later, I'm reading something in that same book that I clearly fucking read that I didn't understand how to use before, apply before, and now I know how to apply it now. Yeah. Because it's that famous Greek philosopher, uh, Heraclitus, I think, says, you know, like, a man never crosses the same river twice because the river has changed or the man has changed, the person has changed. You can never cross the same river twice. Oh, I like that. That's cool. And so, yeah, take that to heart too, that just because you're learning things, don't be so hard on yourself that you're not able to apply it immediately. It might all tie together one day and just click too, which I've found in my life is a good mentality to have for learning things that don't immediately apply that don't immediately have a useful purpose, like learning how to DJ, learning how to like fly a drone, like certain things until one day it's like you do this random thing. It's just like all these skills come together and it's like, oh, it clicked. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying, okay. So yeah, that's something that's been helping me better go through my days because even though I have these fears, I ultimately come to the conclusion that, look, I'm still taking a break for my health and preparation for the baby. I'm doing a lot of house stuff just to prepare the house and for the baby and my parents to come. And it feels like I should be doing something else because I I actually do feel very guilty whenever I do spend any time like thinking about golf. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally, it's like, it's, you know, aside from the monetary expenses, I feel guilty just even thinking about it. And then I I feel better when I spend money on something. But jokes aside, really, I've been trying to combat, you know, that's what I've been struggling with is, is this natural struggle with making sure that like, oh, like I'm living a purpose-driven life or that I'm doing things that are meaningful or I'm being productive. And I've been slowly working myself out of getting to depressive episodes just by sometimes even redefining what productive means. Because like who said productive has to be all about work? Like staying healthy, that's being productive going to the gym, like going to golfing, whatever it is, it's, that's being productive. Preparing for a baby is very productive. And I'm sure it's something that Mink appreciates. Yeah, exactly. And when I start looking at those things or the fact that just being happy with myself, just being physically and mentally well is something I'm sure my partner appreciates. Maybe more than like going out and getting a job right now, because in many ways, like we don't need if I went out and got a job, it's like the additional income doesn't really make a difference in our lives. It's just like an internal justification for me more than anything, but it might make me more depressed. Yeah. Because you might have the opposite thing. If you do get a job right now, it's you're not at home enough or you're not doing enough for the baby or for Mink. Yeah. But I will say, James, like sometimes that does lead me to think like, oh, should I be working on Clever more? Should I be working on alumni more? You know, why don't I just spend more time on that? Yeah. It's not like I don't have enough to do. Like literally laundry list is fucking long of things that I'm quote unquote not behind on that things that I, I guess is on my to-do list. It's just things you could take care of, but not in the top priority. Yeah. But you know what? It's okay. It's all okay. If you needed it for it to get done, you would have done it. 
Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I think part of my personality is like everything needs to happen now, now, now. I think golf is an excellent teacher in that, if nothing else right now, that it's like, I want to practice every waking moment of every day right now. <laughs> and it's like, you cannot, Sean, you physically cannot. Like my back fucking hurts, my wrist fucking hurt. You know, it's like, <laughs> and you just have to take a break. That's actually um, where I tied together to why I was feeling kind of down on Saturday uh-huh. was because I had learned all these things. I watched all these YouTube videos. I really wanted to go practice, but my body was like, no, you need to rest for a day or two. And I was just like, no, I don't want to. (laughs) And I think it was upsetting me a little bit. And it was so fucking silly. But at the same time, this is a great teacher in practicing patience and understanding that like, hey, whatever happened to your belief, Sean, that like golf's going to take a decade to improve. Why do you think you can just rush it in like a week? Yeah, it it just kind of reminds me of what you told me last week when you asked how my round went. Remember I told you it was the worst round of my life. Somehow, not that I, I practice as much as you, but I'm okay. I can get by. I'm not good, but just for some reason, you know, my parents were here and I had, I think I golfed four rounds with them and I was just so bad. It was not good. And I was getting worse as each day progressing. And you happened to message me on, on the day that I shot the worst game ever of my life. I was like, you must have read into what I was saying. I was just so miserable. I was like, why the fuck am I even playing this game? I fucking hate this game. Did you max your handicap? So what I started to do was, you know how most people, they they count up to double par. Yeah. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. So they counted to double par. I stopped doing that. I mean, like total score where you over once. So like the max handicap, the PGA handicap gives you is 54. So max is 126. Yeah, I went I went over that. I went way over that. High five. High five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, what you told me, you just messaged me. You were like, hey, it's a new challenge and it's a long challenge. And I was like, oh, yeah. that's right. And it's okay that I had this kind of setback. It's probably normal. Yeah. And especially for someone that I only golf, honestly, maybe 10 times a year at the most. On average, it's probably been five times a year over the last five years. So I don't golf that much. But like you said, I don't know what it is, but something just so stupid about playing this, <laughs> such a simple, in theory, a simple game. <laughs> it's simple and it's not because when they were like breaking down the, the, the swings, like I'm standing there and like 15 different things I need to think about. Are my legs bent enough? Like when I rotate, am I like reaching out? Like how are my arms? Are my wrists loose? Am I aiming correctly? How am I standing? How's my grip? Yeah, yeah how's my grip? <laughs> yeah. There's like so many things you have to think about. And then when somebody fixes one thing, I was telling Mink. Everything else collapses. <laughs> yeah, it, it might break something else. Golf is simple. The idea, the concept is simple, but the execution of it is very difficult. And so I do feel like every time I learn something new, mm-hmm. like when I take a new lesson, it breaks something else potentially. But it's just... At that moment, I don't know how, maybe I've just trained myself for the years to just like acknowledge what I'm frustrated and I, I don't want to openly show that I'm frustrated because I know it's pointless or like get angry like Hesong does, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, what does that get you, right? I know that. I know better now to just not get upset. Yeah, it's tough. It is. It's a practice. Have you seen the Robin Williams skit about golf? Mm-mm. How the... Is it the Irish? How the Irish came up with golf or the Scottish? The Scottish, both. The Irish or Scottish, yeah. 
came out of Scotland. Yeah, he does a little skit about it. For listeners, just look up Robin Williams' golf skit. You can listen to it <laughs> later. It'll make you laugh. I'll check it out. It'll make you realize that golf is just a game. And as angry as you can be at your game, in the end, it's just a game. And that's kind of what life is. That's what I was going to say. That's what life is. <laughs> life is a game. And it's a game of struggles and challenges. And every day you're going to get a little different flavor. Yeah. Which is why this show will never end. <laughs> yeah. That's the one thing literally I was like, some days I, I remember early in our episodes, I was like worried. I was like, man, are we going to run out of things to talk about? Mm-hmm. Are we going to stop struggling? <laughs> it's like, no, never. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's going to be everywhere. Yeah. Especially when things improve, mm-hmm. when things get better, you struggle even more because... It'd just be different. Yeah. Very different struggles that you may never have faced before. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a good wrap of the week. Thanks, everyone, for joining once again. This is Sean Lee signing off. James Park sitting across from me. See you guys later.